1: This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles. Just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their 7-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash pods. That's i l slash poppods to get 50% off your first month. Princess Catherine
0: opens up about her new campaign as she kicks off Children's Mental Health Week. This isn't just about raising kids. It's about shaping our futures plus trevor noah takes aim at harry during the grammys as rupert everett claims that he knows who harry lost his virginity to
1: but it just it feels like a really intimate story that harry probably shouldn't have been telling um because there are there's two people in that story he's not just telling his story he's telling this sasha walpole story as well plus author angela levin talks about her new book all about camilla
2: and her icy relationship with prince harry she's not a villain she doesn't seek attention. She's not doesn't want to be in the center of the lights going on. You know, she's very happy to be a background person. We've got that plus so much more in today's Royally Us. Hello to our fellow royal lovers and welcome to
0: Royally Us. I'm Christina. That's Christine. And Christine, we have a big week of royal news all over the spectrum. <gasps>
1: yeah, there's so much to talk about this week. A lot of diverse stories, not sort of the same stuff we've been cycling through, but and some really juicy stories as well. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. So we got you covered every which way. But before we get to all of that, like always, we want to see what you guys had to say about last week's show. LG says, I don't get why there's so much pressure to reconcile. You don't have to like your family. And if any relationship is toxic or makes you miserable, just acknowledge that it's sad. Leave it behind and live the life you pick for yourself.
1: Not wrong. I think this is so true. A lot of people, I remember a lot of people really wanted Kate and Megan to be best friends. And I kept saying, you know, you don't always like your, you know, you're not always close to your in-laws. Mm-hmm. And even this is the same thing. Like they don't have to reconcile. Lots of families, don't and still yeah. live very happy lives
0: that is very very true i think just everybody wants to because we, we were so used to seeing these brothers grow up together in the spotlight and you know always pictured them being you know thick as thieves but yeah. you know it's not always like that and that's okay yeah. um casey says why should the royal family apologize to megan after her refusal to set, accept her own father's apology not wrong either.
1: <laughs> a lot of people keep bringing up, you know, the, the Meghan's relationship with Thomas Markle in this whole saga of Harry's relationship with his own family and there's a lot of a lot of questions there. <laughs> a lot of a lot of interesting head scratchers. No,
0: definitely. I mean, like we don't know what goes on behind closed doors right. and things like that, so we'll never really know, but does raise an interesting topic. And then Brenda Nora says, I think James Milton is a lovely guy and you can see that their family have been brought up to be caring, respectful people thanks to their amazing parents. Yeah, they definitely seem like a very uh, well-rounded family and a very tight-knit family as well.
1: Yeah, you can really tell just the relationships that they have with each other, the projects, you know, they're promoting each other's projects in very quiet ways and really supporting each other quietly, you know, because I think they, they are private people. I think they want really private lives, but they've sort of been thrust into this spotlight. Definitely. All right, let's uh, head on over to our Royal News of the Week, and the
0: Princess of Wales has been very busy, and she gave, the, I love this so much, she gave a very rare glimpse of her childhood with a very personal photo from her early years with her father, Michael. She wrote on Instagram, faces are, uh, faces are our baby's best toy, and she launched, this, uh, of course, she launched Shaping Us to raise awareness of the vital role um, our early years play in shaping the rest of our lives. And she said, this weekend, we'd love for you to all spend time with your friends, families, colleagues, and communities, talking about your early childhoods and how they shaped your lives. Um, she focused much of the charity work on supporting children in their early years, which we've talked about. And the Shaping Us campaign is intended to increase public understanding of the importance of the first five years of a child's life. But let's talk about this photo because it is just so cute. <laughs> and I love that we're getting like, you know, this little glimpse of what childhood looked like for her.
1: It's so cute. It's so like vintage 80s. I mean, (laughs) it's really sweet moment. And it's so normal. I feel like a lot of us have pictures that kind of looked like that, you know, or those moments or memories that we can remember with our parents. And it's so strange to think that way back when, you know, her family was unknown. They were very normal people. They weren't members of the royal family. This is a glimpse into a very normal British middle-class family. Mm -hmm. And Now it's a, you know, a picture of the future Queen of England. (laughs)
0: I know it's crazy to like, look back at, back at that photo and look at that baby and be like, one day you'll be queen. Like
1: That's just the craziest thing. It
0: really is such a beautiful photo, such a beautiful family. And I love seeing it. And she's been really busy pushing this Shaping Us campaign. She spent some time with UK radio host, Roman Kemp. They had a long in-depth conversation about mental health, about shaping us, early childhood development and so much more. So take a quick look. The key things that I, sort of, I've come
1: away with and what I've learned the most is, and, which is what the science says, really is that the importance of having healthy and strong relationships in a child's life it's really critical having a nurturing environment and having experiences in which a child can really understand and
2: discover not only themselves but also the world in which they live
0: yeah i love this very uh you know low-key just walk in the park type of thing and you know talks about how tough parenting really is and you know, gets really candid about it. And of course, talking about, you know, those first five years and how pivotal they are in the child's life, but also talking a lot about mental health as well.
1: You know, it was interesting as she was sort of promoting this new project, the Shaping Us campaign, it's not really about parents or even teachers, because we all know how important this time is. And we all know how hard, it is.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, and Kate was out there she's speaking to Roman Kemp who really appeals to sort of a younger male audience. She went out to Leeds market just to meet with regular people throughout the Leeds community because this campaign is about educating everybody else and how important these years are and how they can make a difference in the future by supporting families and children. Mm-hmm. So it was really interesting. It was really a different um, you know, tactic in in addressing this. She wasn't really meeting with school children you know although we did see her you know get getting with school children in some of the videos and interacting with them but what's really important is you know addressing that it's everybody's potential responsibility to help shape the future and that's why i think she invited people to share from their own childhood you know she didn't say share from your own children because again everyone has had a childhood experience Um, And I think this campaign is really about reaching a wider audience than just the parents and the teachers
0: definitely. I really love this. I love this campaign. I think yeah. it's really great. And I'm uh, all about it. I'm also all about her wearing a 12 year old jacket. A lot of people were talking about her wearing this vintage coat in this, uh, in this video with, uh, Roman. So i we always know, we love that Kate recycles her old things and even keeps things in her closet
1: that are decades old. <laughs> I love this. Yeah. She's, we've seen this coat several times, mm-hmm. sort of in private photos or yes. pop photos, you know, off duty looks. And so to see it in this really official video was really nice. It looked very, very cozy. It's been yeah. very cold in the UK lately, so yeah. I'm sure it was, you know, very beneficial for this sort of woodland walk that she was on.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. All I could see, like, their uh, breath, the smoke from their breath, (laughs) I'm like, oh my God, it must be so cold. Um, All right, well, like you said, she also kicked off Children's Mental Health Week and she joined some students at St. John's Primary School to chat about connecting with others and experiencing all different feelings. She sported an apron as she sat among the group and did some arts and crafts, so take a quick look.
1: It's lovely to be here at St. John's Primary School. It's been wonderful to speak to so many children here about the importance of connections and the important people in their lives, too. She has been busy. (laughs) Yeah, she's been doing so much. Really, you know, there's a lot of talk Mm -hmm. in the press about how this is her life's work. And this is really her overarching campaign pain of her work is going to be supporting children and families in these you know early years and so this was a great tie-in to shaping us from last week was you know supporting children's mental health week this week yeah. um, and a great way for her to support all the par- all the charities that she's patron of mm-hmm,
0: definitely all right well we've been talking about the cold weather over there in the UK <laughs> and uh, King Charles and Queen Consort Camilla are doing something to help those in need this winter the public will be given access to three of their royal residences Scotland's castle of may and dumfries house and the orchid room at high Grove house um and it can be used as warm banks until march in the uk warm banks are spaces set up places like libraries churches community centers with those who struggle with loneliness and the cost of heating their homes during the winter they can go and spend the day there and you know get warmed up have refreshments and the opportunity to kind of socialize with some other people and it's really nice that they are opening up some of their homes uh, to do so because it's you know it's it's, it's a so long, cold winter, it really is.
1: This is such an incredible initiative. I think it really, you know, piggybacks off of other royal families who have opened their homes, you know, to Ukrainian refugees in the past, mm-hmm. um, just sort of making those enormous houses that they're not using beneficial to the public. And these warm banks have been popping up all over the UK. It's somewhere you can get, you know, a cup of tea and a slice of cake, right. get out of the house, warm up, especially if you are struggling with the cost of living, if you are sleeping rough. Um, but but really they've become community hubs where, you know, there's no in my experience, there's no shameful stigma. It's just a nice way to get out of the house, warm up. So many people are struggling right now. And I think making it literal castles <laughs> will make it. Even more special for those people who are having a hard time.
0: Definitely, definitely. All right. Well, there's a lot of royalty to be spilt this week. So let's get into it. Um, Rupert Everett, he's an actor, of course, he is challenging a claim made by Prince Harry in his memoir Spare about how he lost his virginity. Though Harry said he lost it behind a pub in a grassy field. Um he, Rupert says in an interview that he, that things happened a little bit differently. He said, by the way, I know who the woman he lost his virginity to is, and it wasn't behind a pub and it wasn't in this country. I'm just going to put it out there that I know. Well, he said that in an interview, but this woman, (laughs) Sasha Walpole, um, she was hired as an assistant groom at High Grove in 1999. She came forward and claimed that she lost her virginity to Prince Harry. So... Which is it?
1: <laughs> I mean this this is just a story. I I don't know why Harry even included this in the memoir and did he intend this story to take off the right. way that it's It's such an interesting story. You know, Sasha Walpole, she sort of said, I was never going to come out and say this story, but Harry's now shared this really intimate experience with the world. Mm -hmm. And she felt like she wanted to sort of set the record straight or, you know, share her side of the story, which is Harry's entire campaign lately is sharing his side of the story and speaking his truth. So I can't say that I blame the woman. Um, but it was interesting, you know, Harry says that it was an older woman and he was about 16 and she was about 19. So really interesting story. I think that he probably should have kept out of the memoir because now it's the story that will never die. No, totally. And, but like you said,
0: I don't blame her for coming forward. If somebody told an intimate detail of my life, I would want the right story to be out there as well. But she, yeah, she said it happened in 2001 when he was 16 years old and that, um, The pair had visited Thorpe Park in Surrey, where Harry won her a Miss Piggy toy wearing a tropical outfit. And then later on, they, I guess, uh, did the deed. And uh, but yeah, like she's kept this. I mean, kudos to her for keeping this a secret for this long. I mean, she could have sold this story a really long time ago and
1: she didn't. And he put it out there and she deserves to tell her side as well. I think so. You know, she does say that they were drunk and it was sort of an awkward thing between friends, but it just it feels like a really intimate story that Harry probably shouldn't have been telling. Yeah. um because there are there's two people in that story he's not just telling his story he's telling this right. sasha walpole story as well so again i hope she got a really big payday and i do not blame her at all i do not blame her at all no. all right well <laughs> moving on to princess kate because she has hired a public
0: relations guru Alison corfield as her new private secretary uh, she is a pr mastermind who's worked for the likes of jamie oliver and she is set to join kate's team as a senior aide later this month as she uh dedicated 13 years of her career working at Richard Branson's Virgin Empire, and um, she has set up Virgin Brides in 1999. She was uh, the brains behind Jamie Oliver's childhood obesity and free school meals campaign, and she will be stepping into the shoes of former diplomat and foreign officer, office official Hannah Cockburn Lodgy. So some shakeups going on in the royal household.
1: Yeah, this is a huge change as well. Alison Corfield has, you know, a really lengthy history, but it's mostly private sector. You know, she's not described as a diplomat you know, or a foreign office official. She is really a, a PR person who's has experience in these types of campaigns. And Jamie Oliver's childhood obesity campaign was huge. It was widespread and it was very popular. So hopefully um, this new private secretary can breathe a lot of life and push a lot forward for Kate in a way that, you know, the old school way of doing things maybe wasn't making as much of an impact.
0: Definitely. It's here to shake things up. Um, Circling back to Prince Harry, of course, I mean, we keep talking about it and his book is a topic of conversation at the 65th annual Grammy Awards. Trevor Noah cracked a joke about um, reveal um, about a revealing passage in the book about his frostbitten penis Um, while he was introducing James Corden. Noah said James Corden is a 12 time Emmy winner and the host of The Late Late Show. He's also living proof that a man can move from London to L.A. and not tell everyone about his frostbitten penis. (laughs) Very true.
1: (laughs) I mean, What can you say? Another story that maybe Harry shouldn't have shared. (laughs) Right. Uh, Shouldn't have shared that. Maybe shouldn't have shared that Prince
0: William is circumcised. You know, the list (laughs) goes on. It really does. Um, Well, there are some famous friends that don't seem to mind Harry's, um, you know, truth bombs. And that is Ellen DeGeneres (laughs) and Portia de Rossi because they were on hand for their surprise vow renewal. Um, They thought it was a 50th birthday party for Portia. However, it turned into a vow renewal ceremony and it was officiated by Kris Jenner. And um, she had no, Ellen knew, had no idea about the surprise and Portia wore her wedding dress from 2008. But yeah, Megan and Harry were on
1: hand and they're definitely rubbing elbows with the um, A-listers in Hollywood. Yeah, it was definitely an A-list Hollywood guest list. And I think that's where Harry and Megan sort of want to find themselves, you know, on that A-list Hollywood circuit. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to say, Portia de Rossi's dress is so, so iconic. I was really, I was excited to see it again. <laughs> and it's so beautiful. Yeah. All
0: these years later, it still holds up and is absolutely beautiful.
1: Yes. What a, what a testament to timeless fashion, but yeah, I think this is the first of many times we're going to see Harry and Megan in these A-list circuits. I would, you know, keep an eye out on things like the Met ball, um, yes. mm-hmm. the big red carpets this year to see where they're sort of going to find their place um, mm-hmm. in the celebrity minefield.
0: Totally. I totally agree with you. I think that they are going to be making their Met Gala debut this year for sure. Yep. All right. Well, this is an interesting story. So Lady Anne Glencomer, she was left a little bit mad and perplexed over uh, the crown after she agreed to meet with Helena Bar- Bottom Carter, who of course portrayed Princess Margaret. She said, "I saw Helen Helena Bottom Carter. She came to tea about acting Princess Margaret, how she spoke and walked. I said I never saw her run." Um after she said, "After I saw the crown, I was very disappointed and told her it was rather awful, wasn't it? She added that they couldn't afford to film The Crown at Glen, her family's ancestral home. When they filmed Princess Margaret first meeting Roddy Lewin, we were sitting by a pool at what looked like a ghastly country club. She said they had me pimping for her with us both in bikinis. Princess Margaret never wore a bikini so cheap. They really should put a disclaimer at
1: the beginning of The Crown saying it isn't true. Tell us how you really feel. I I love that she's mostly upset that they were in bikinis at a ghastly country club. That really sounds like... You know, the that they've gone too far. I love it. But, but no, it's so interesting. People who are actually involved in this time of history or, you know, people who are portrayed in the crown are saying this is so untrue and misleading and there should be a disclaimer. I feel like this idea of a disclaimer in front of the crown comes up time and time and time again. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. um, I've never seen this happen before in historical documentaries or historical, right. you know, fictional shows. But people are really passionate about the crown, it seems, and and sort of protecting that legacy. Right, definitely. But um, but people still watch it and still entertained. And <laughs> still gonna
0: we, watch it, yeah. oh yeah, <laughs> we're still gonna watch. You're still gonna watch. All right. Well, now it is time to break down the royal rules. And this week we sat down with Angela Levin. She is, of course, a royal expert and an author of the brand new book Camilla: From Outcast to Queen Concert. We chatted all about her book, Harry's Claims and Spare, about whether or not Camilla really was the villain. Take a look. You know, obviously the media shaped how we viewed Camilla and she's been through so much for the name of love. You know, obviously the affair with the princess, uh, with now King Charles and things like that. But how did the media shape our perception of Camilla? And do you feel like it has changed or do you feel like, you know, after Harry's book, did we regress
2: at all? Um... I think one regrets for Harry, really. I think he's made such a mess of himself now um, that it's too terrible for words, really, how he could want to do that and try and destroy everybody. Um, about it's backfired and actually he's destroying himself, frankly. But um, I think that the, the, the press are very like a firework. You know, they blow up and something happens and they just hit it and go on and on. I mean, there were 10 years where she barely left her home because there were paparazzi and um, (coughs) journalists outside wanting to talk to her, following her, and all the descriptions to highlight it, partly because Diana was so loved Mm -hmm. that um, she was called, you know, the most hated woman in the world, the most hated woman in Britain, Um, but I think, People gradually realized that they didn't know who this woman was. They had no idea, really. They kept glimpse, have glimpses, have glimpses of her, mm-hmm. but they didn't know what her personality was like. They didn't know what she was doing. They just blamed her for Diana. They blamed her for Diana's death, which is absolutely not her fault and they blamed her for the separation.
0: You know, it's also so interesting that I I don't think I realized is that how many obstacles she had to face within the family as well, that Prince Andrew did not want them to get married. Princess Anne was not a fan of Camilla. And of course, you know, William and Harry didn't want to as well. I mean, why did Prince Andrew and Princess Anne, why were they so
2: opposed to this relationship? Because she'd been married before. She wasn't from the right sort of family. Prince Andrew has a very different reason then uh, to Princess Anne. He hoped, um, and this is quite exclusive really, um, he hoped that he could persuade his mother to throw Prince Charles out because he wasn't one to let Camilla go. Therefore, Prince William could be the sort of future king, but he would be too young, so Andrew could be taking over and run it until um, Andrew, uh, till William grew up. Um, so that was sort of self-interest. And Princess Anne had the interest that she was a very, very hard worker, mm-hmm. and she didn't know if if Camilla was going to be that sort of hard worker. She'd also gone out with Camilla's first husband. They both sort of were crossing over with. Um, Andrew Parker Bowles, who had eyes for every woman he could see, and um, so there, uh, some of the reasons were the same, and some of their reasons were very different.
0: You know, how did Diana describe Camilla to the boys? I mean, is it? I think you write in the book that she tr- that she was the bitter enemy. Do you think that
2: that kind of got stuck in their head for all of these years going forward? I do think that Diana. Um, worked very hard to get the boys to absolutely hate her. Mm-hmm. Um, she poor thing was you know so unhappy herself, and she she sort of loved children, she sort of didn't um and she just wanted. Um, Camilla to be a a sort of witch, but she did a similar thing to, um, not a nanny, but to a companion that uh, Prince Charles had got. You know, she accused her of all sorts of things because she longed to to do all that for herself. And once they separated, they they couldn't. And she didn't want to lose the children. Mm -hmm. And so it was very, very difficult for children who really, really loved her to find good things in Camilla. It's taken a, quite a long time. I mean, William, Prince William has a very different um, makeup to Harry. Um, and I think he was also helped by Catherine, his wife, both now um, Prince and Princess of Wales. And um, she um really tried her best to make them feel that this woman was absolutely awful. And that's what they absorbed. You
0: know, Harry, in the um, lead up to Spare called Camilla, um, said that, called her out for leaking stories to rehabilitate her image, said she was dangerous. Um, You know, a villain. What What, what was your reaction to that? Because you wrote a book about Prince Harry and, and spent a lot of time with him. So, I mean, was this the the Harry that you knew and were you surprised about
2: these actions? No, I I spent a lot of time, uh, 15 months with Mm -hmm. Harry in um, 2017 and 18. And I I thought he was terrific. He was full of energy. He was full of humor. He was like his mother in the way he could deal with people. He had a marvelous instinct. People have been damaged mentally and physically. Um, He did get scratchy, but then don't we all? And that didn't seem to matter very much, but here now is is very different. And for the wedding, when Camilla got married, he said, you know, we love her to pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were very kind. Maybe they didn't love her quite as much as they said, but they could see, as they said, they make our father very happy. Um, and so that was it, but she's not a villain. She doesn't seek attention. She's not, doesn't want to be in the center of the light going on. You know, she's very happy to be a background person. Um, and she's not a plotter. She's not like that. She's just, she's just not. Do you think uh, knowing the
0: Royal family as close as uh, spending time with them and, uh, you know, writing about them for so many years, do you foresee any way back, um, to some sort of reconciliation between both sides and
2: has there, have there been any talks Well, it's it's an interesting question. I don't think anyone from the royal side are going to say anything uh, without coming up with some sort of conclusion. I think they will keep the plan very quiet if there is a plan. Whereas Harry is laying down the rule in a rather bully guy Mm -hmm. manner that I'm not doing this unless you do this. We've got to go through everything. We've got to apologise to uh, Meghan, you know, it's in your court, but I'm not coming unless you do X, Y, Z. You know, you might as well say, well, who do you think you are now? Um, But um, it depends on the nature. Um, King Charles is a monarch, but he's also a father. He loves Harry. He might not like what he's doing, but he loves him. And there's a weakness there for him. He doesn't want to lose him as a son. Um, Camilla is somebody who feels that, you know, give it time and it'll all come round. She also loves her own children from her first marriage, and um, like Harry, and, and doesn't want to lay down the law. But I think the public feel very differently. I do. I mean, I did like Harry, but I, I don't want him to come to the coronation. I really don't I don't think he's deserved it. I think you can be rude, okay with opera, they said it all, not going on and on and on and on. And I think he's very much crossed a line. Um and I don't want him to take away the 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 occasion from the king. Right. Because that's what everybody will be talking about if they're yeah, don't talking about Harry and Megan and what they're doing and are they late? And are they, you know, whereas I think we've got to focus on our new king.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there have been obviously there's reports all the time, but there have been reports that they are planning to invite them to the coronation. Like you said, you think that that would be a mistake uh, for the royal family well, to do?
2: They, they haven't actually um, not invited him. They've just said, it's open, it's welcome. Mm-hmm. You see, but Harry's insisting that he wants to sit down and have this long conversation. And if they apologize for one thing, I'm absolutely certain he'll come up with another 350 that is also he's annoyed about. And he'll be going through all these things. Um, and I think also if you show weakness, he will attack harder. What do you what do you think they're hoping to accomplish and achieve?
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, that's that's a $50 question. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that she was very disappointed with how she was received because there is this line alignment of, you know, there was the Queen and Prince Philip, there was Charles, Camilla, there was William, and then they were after that. It's all in line. And she didn't like that. She wanted to be number one. That's what she goes after. And um, she's punishing them mm-hmm. for their behavior. I think she would like to destroy the monarchy because I can't understand why you're quite so rude. If you don't like it, mm-hmm. fair enough. Nobody stopped them. You know, they wish them well um, and they, they've gone. They've got a house with 16 bathrooms. They've got a child of each sex. They love each other and they've um, got a future ahead of them, but they're clinging on to the past mm-hmm. in the most extraordinary way, which makes make them very angry and upset. Um, and I can only see it in a destructive way. I mean, why do that? Walk away if you don't like something you don't like someone you don't have to have anything to do with them but you can't spend 2 years nearly 3 years um criticizing them nonstop
0: i mean it seems like everybody's kind of in agreement that uh, a reconciliation is not on the table but we'll have to wait <laughs> nope. and see yeah nope. um Definitely well not. let's get into our royal history moment of the week and it feels like Every uh, every week so far, we're auctioning off something from Princess Diana. And this week, some friends are selling letters that she wrote to them during her divorce from Prince Charles. Um, her divorce, um, Lay's auctioneers announced the sale of 32 letters that the late Princess of Wales sent to Susie and Tariq Qasim during the last two years of her life. The auction house described them as highly personal letters and cards as astonishing and confidential, and they are set to hit auction on February 16th. They said in a statement that Susie and Tara Katham are very close friends of Diana. Princess of Wales, they have treasured these letters for over 25 years. They reflect the special and loving relationship they had with the most unique woman that they had ever known. Now in 2023, the ownership of these poignant documents is a responsibility that the Cassims do not wish to pass on to their children or grandchildren. They have decided to sell the letters and use proceeds at the sale to support some of the charities that were close to Susie and Diana's hearts. That's nice. Um they released a photo of one of the letters, which was dated February 17th, 1996. It stated, darling Susie, thank you for all the lovely things you said to me on the telephone tonight. You have no idea the joy and trust you and Tarek have introduced into my life. And I count myself extremely fortunate, both Tark and you for believing in me. She signed it with an uh, love Diana with an X. Um, I mean, it's, it's nice that they, um, you know, are using the proceeds for charities and not using it for their pockets.
2: <laughs> it's,
1: a, it's a very interesting story, a very interesting situation because on the one hand the letter literally says thank you for you know the trust right you no know, I trust you and there's so many intimate details in these letters talking about the nightmare of her divorce right um and you have to wonder why this couple's choosing to sell them and it will probably benefit a, you know give a lot of money to a lot of important causes and you know Diana has been dead a really long time but it's such a this is such an interesting story. I would love to hear in the comments what people think, if yeah. this is a good move or a bad move, because I really can't decide. <laughs> I know. Same here. I mean,
0: you know, my first thought about it. I'm like, oh, this is kind of fishy. And then, but they never said the charities that the sale of the letters will benefit. were not named in the statement. So we don't know exactly where the money is going as of yet. I can't imagine that they would lie about that. That would be really weird. Um, so we'll have to <laughs> wait and see. But yeah, I mean, it is kind of interesting that they're not passing them down or, you know, reaching out to the royal family to see if maybe they want them. I don't know. So. Yeah,
1: really interesting. I wanna, I wanna, I'm gonna follow this story, I think, because like you said, why not return them to William and Harry? Or why not just pass them down or you know burn them? Right. <laughs> there's yeah. so many options. But at the same time, none of those options raise money for whatever important cause um was important to Susie and Diana. So hopefully there's a happy ending to this in the form of a big check for you know some charities. Definitely. All right. Well,
0: that is it for this week's episode of Royally Us. Please let us know in the comments what you think. Um, So keep commenting, keep subscribing, and we'll see you guys next week.